Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of This Week in AML. I'm John Byrne, Chair of the AMLRS Advisory Board. And I'm Elliot Berman, our Creative Director. We are excited to welcome you to the This Week in AML podcast, where we explore key news and developments in the global financial crime prevention community. Hi, John. How are you today? I'm good, Elliot. How are you doing? I'm good, too. Thank you. Um, There's a lot going on, as usual, but the thing I thought might be worthy of talking about is uh, the White House put out a fact sheet related to something called Summit for Democracy, which is something that the first one was held about a year ago, uh, Progress in the Year of Action. I wondered if you saw that release. Yeah, I saw it because it's relevant for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that is, we're going to talk about toward the end of this is that on December 15th, we're going to be doing a what I, I can't wait for, a, a very compelling conversation on corruption. So one of the things uh, that the Summit for Democracy talks about, and there's many different things in there, there's, uh, things on in, investments, environmental issues, all sorts of issues, but one of the uh, and also supporting a free and independent media. So that's that's obviously always important, but is fighting corruption. And so they list a whole series of actions undertaken in uh, 2022 um, from the U.S. government's perspective on corruption. And uh, I thought we should let the folks know about a couple of uh, of those, because as we know, in the financial crime space, corruption sort of begets all sorts of illicit activity because it's all about getting money and power. And that's certainly a way to define corruption. Yes. Uh, just a little background for our listeners. So um, there were um, uh, over a hundred partner governments who participated in the original summit uh, about a year ago. There's also an announcement that a second summit's going to be held um in march of 2023 and the u.s is going to be a uh, co-host with uh, uh government officials from costa rica the netherlands republic of korea and republic of zambia uh, a pretty diverse group of co-hosts and um, a lot of the work that we're going to talk about in a moment is from what what has the u.s been participating in but there are working groups and all kinds of things going on. And um, a lot of it, I don't, you know, not getting a lot of press, but right. kind of in many ways, you know, the building blocks uh, and, and a lot of international cooperation, which is also, um, I think, very valuable in fighting corruption in particular, but in, um, in working toward making democracies uh, healthy, vital, and stable. Right. And some of the uh, examples they use for what's happened in the past year, uh, the State Department um, in July uh, appointed the first ever coordinator on global anti-corruption. USAID launched something that they're calling strengthening transparency and accountability through investigative reporting. And that's a a $20 million program to support collaborative investigative journalism networks. And we'll mention that again toward the end of this. Uh, innovation becomes pretty important. Obviously, that's something that we've seen the banking regulators talk about just in terms of uh, the financial sector in general, but looking at innovation as a way to combat 
corruption is uh, also a focus here. And then uh, they go back to something we've talked a lot about, and that's the passage of the Corporate Transparency Act. Right. And then, you know, registries and uh, infrastructure to share information and all those things. It's, I, you know, when I was reading that section, I was thinking, so I wonder if down the line this leads to a global registry or a standard for um, national level registries, but the standard becomes the same around the globe so that um, transparency is really the same wherever you are, or at least among these participating countries. That's a long lift, I understand. That's a big lift. I know, I know, but it is. Yeah, in large part because of as the jurisdictional differences in privacy and other issues. But anyway, but it's certainly a worthy goal. I don't disagree with that. Yep. So um, you know they do they do point out that part of the importance of the passage of the CTA will be uh, ability to besides the registry. The development of regulations is sort of mixed issues, but in AMLA also, they're looking about dealing with real estate purchases and, and those sorts of things. But the other thing that I sort of forgot about, but we might have mentioned this in an earlier conversation, back in March, the Treasury launched the Kleptocracy Asset Recovery Rewards Program. So that pays obviously rewards and so Treasury and state will will you continue to use what they're calling accountability tools in addition to uh, recovery rewards like sanctions and visa restrictions and all of that. But I had forgotten that they did that, but obviously um, seizing assets and making some of those assets available to uh, as rewards will, will obviously hopefully help people uh, who are diligent know they've got a place where they can provide that information. So I thought that was interesting. They do reference, um, as you mentioned, uh, uh, international uh, successes of multinational, uh, multilateral engagements uh, that our government is doing with um, um, FATF, the UN. Uh, uh, in December, it hasn't occurred yet, I don't believe, uh, but the uh, International Anti-Corruption Conference, I think that's actually going on this week in DC, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe we can report on it next week if, uh, if that's in fact the case. I do think it's coming up shortly. Um, and if it's not this week, I think it's next week. And that should be interesting. There should be some takeaways from that we can talk about. Yep. Yes. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, there continues to be um, the effort to strengthen our own work here so that we can be a good cooperative partner, which is, you know, a critical um, uh effort. I saw a word in here I never, I, I wasn't sure I would ever see, decleptification. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I, and I don't mean to make light of any of this, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of work. I think, uh, as I said earlier, one of the things that struck me is how much is going on. And you and I who follow this space pretty actively, we're aware of a fair amount of it, but there's also a fair amount that's going on where at the moment it's not for the purpose of shining a light on it. It's for a per it's for the purpose of getting the work done. Right. Um, the, the last thing that they mentioned in, under the corruption umbrella uh, 
is holding Russia accountable. And they talk about the uh, creation back in March from uh, Attorney General Garland, the task force klepto capture, which is an interagency law enforcement task force designed to deal with that. And that was created directly in response to Russia's uh, un unprovoked attack and war in Ukraine. So that's going on there. Uh, going after oligarchs continues to be a priority. That's obviously important, um, you know, with all these yachts and homes and condos that are owned by these uh, individuals that are avoiding the law for a variety of reasons, uh, going after them and seizing those assets. So all those things have been a show. It's been a fairly strong and successful 2022, just in that part under the democracy rubric that this was created for, but the, the corruption um, successes, I think are pretty, pretty straightforward and pretty clear. Yes. Um, again, we're focusing on the corruption component in this uh, fact sheet, but there are other significant uh, efforts going on related to defending free and fair elections and inclusive uh, political processes um, and uh, advancing technology to support democracy um, and uh, bolstering democratic uh, reformers in those places where um, uh, where the 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 fight to even establish democracy is still going on. Yeah, you know, and just real quick before we talk about uh, things we want to plug, we we had a uh, had to make a tough choice what we're going to talk about this week. Also this week, I just want to highlight very quickly that Department of Homeland Security did update their National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin, which was set to expire. I didn't realize the bulletins expire, but they were uh, on the 30th. So they came out with an updated one. I would just tell folks to take a look at it. It obviously talks about all the risks from domestic and international terrorism. So, uh, we, we would suggest you take a look at that when you get a chance. Yes. And one of the key components of that one is a continued focus on the um, uh, violence, uh, domestic violence related to religious beliefs and uh, uh, racial profiling. So uh, uh, continues to be a major uh, focus of HSI, both in their uh, domestic and international activities. So, John, you, you alluded to our uh, uh, December 15th webinar. Uh, why don't you uh, give a little more in-depth conversation about that? So, yeah, under the broad definition of uh, corruption, we're very excited to have two investigative journalists uh, that are connected to the Organized Crime Action Reporting Project uh, that do a lot of excellent work. They worked on the Pandora Papers, FinCEN Files, Panama Papers, We'll reference some of that, but we also want to talk to them specifically about uh, something they've created called a Russian asset tracker. We'll talk a little bit about that. They'll talk about the work they did with the so-called Swiss secrets. And we're going to ask them their thoughts about what the EU just did at, uh, in court, saying that um, they're going to limit access to beneficial ownership registries. And that's certainly something that the... Uh, investigative journalism community is opposed to because they get a lot of good information so they can you know pursue important stories based on what's in these registries so that you know that there's a debate here to us to a degree i don't 
the registry here was never going to be open to the public, uh, but how the access was going to work in terms of government and the private sector is also to be determined. But so we're going to ask them their thoughts on this. And also, as I always like to ask um, investigative journalists, what do they think how we're doing? We being the AML community, what's their sense of how, how things are going? Because obviously it's a major challenge for all of us. So December 15th, one o'clock Eastern time, very excited about that. And that'll end our webinar uh, programs for 2022. Uh, yes, but we have a full um, schedule for uh, already in the works for 2023. And we'll start to advertise those as well. Remember, you can register for the December webinar at our website, amlrightsource.com. Uh, so uh, please do that. And uh, John, I'm looking forward to the uh, piece on the, uh, for the, uh, to the session on the, uh, on the 15th. We also have some other things in the works. Uh, John's done some great interviews and we're working on some podcasts uh, jointly with uh, Homeland Security Investigations about uh, some of their uh, current initiatives that we think are important for uh, our listeners to know about. So uh, watch for those to post over the next during the month. Um, and we'll be back um, with another conversation next week. John, you be well. I think uh, I may see you. I think you're coming my way between now and our next uh, recording. Coming to watch the Golden Eagles of Marquette University who just boat raced Baylor and nobody expected it. They'll be playing their in-state rivals, Wisconsin. So can't wait. And I'm, I'm sure we'll find a chance to connect. So uh, looking forward to it. I can deal with the cold as long as I'm watching college basketball. <laughs> so That's okay. Bring your Marquette uh, stocking cap and travel safely. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.